Hi, this is Hilary Adler from DMN. Um, we're here with Susan Bobeda of the Trade Desk. She's the Chief Marketing Officer here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about being a woman in business and how to navigate that terrain uh, for, for our Diversity Week. So thank you, Susan, for being here. Thanks so much, Hilary. It's great to be here. Speak a little louder. Um, so we're sitting in a unique position as women in business. Suddenly, the microscope is on the roles women play in the workplace following the Me Too movement. How do you think women can capitalize on the moment and push forward with continued change? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Hillary, and a, a well-timed topic. You know, when I think about change and I think about what's happening with women today, I think about my mom. My mom, who is an amazing woman, was very much a part of the women's movement of the 70s. And I remember mm -hmm. as a very young girl, uh, my mom hosted consciousness raising groups at our house. And <laughs> it was groups of women and they were discussing just what was happening with them at that time. And I had no idea what was really going on. Um, I was six and I still, it's taken me a long time to fully realize how meaningful it was to the women of that time to have a forum to share their collective experience. Yeah. And my read is that today social media and our connectedness is clearly facilitating this new wave of consciousness raising. Mm -hmm. It's as if we're all in one consciousness raising group. And this means the dots are being connected and women are sort of sharing their stories on, in an unprecedented scale. And this is highlighting for us, for all of us, um, what discrimination and sexual harassment really look like today and that they aren't situations that are unique and they're not situations that are rare. And I think we all, men and women, have new ideas and about what kind of environments we want to create uh, in the workplace going forward because of what's been happening. Yeah. Um, so in, in, you know, in a matter of months, I think the awareness that's brought about by Me Too and the marches is already driving a lot of change and I don't think we're going to accept what was considered acceptable a month, months ago, and I don't think um, we're going to stop discussing what was not discussed months ago. And it's really already driving this shift. Oh, yeah, um, you can feel it. It's totally palpable. It's totally palpable. This, exactly, this, this, this shift. And um, so we all feel like we want things to change and we want things to happen, but I think the, the, the task now is to shift to, you know, what is our specific ask collectively what do we want to work on together what is that ask well yeah so then i'm going to send your question right back at you what are the things that we should ask for <laughs> great question uh, hillary um i think you know i talked to my mom actually recently about this and and she said that the the lead issue through the women's movement of the 70s in her mind was equal opportunity in the workplace and that included financial equality and while we know, you know that women comprise about half of the US workplace right now, um, only 25% um, of executive positions are occupied by women. And as you go up you know, the ranks to the most senior executives, that number is much, much lower. And the senior executive levels are where you know, real power to make talent decisions and pay decisions exists. And if there aren't women in the most senior executive positions, um, that's you don't have a, that sponsorship that you need to, to really drive change or to help drive change. So to me, institutional and economic power is something we really need to continue to address and that would be a critical part of my ask. Okay, so you're just talking about the critical ask. Um, I think that my, you know, my generation 
we have a whole slate of women to look up to. Um, I think that the generation above me and, and, and above that generation, they didn't really have that. They had, a, they had a couple of people to look up to, but not like the, the whole swath that my generation does. Um, so what responsibility do higher up female execs have in mentoring young professional women? Yeah, I think we, that's a great question um, because we feel a lot of responsibility for that. Um, at least that's been my, the conversations in the conversations that I've had recently. And I've, it's interesting because I've talked to many women who are close friends in senior positions in companies about this. And I think we all feel like, hey, we're here. We're in senior roles. And the word that keeps coming up in these conversations is duty. We fully understand that we're you know, in the boardrooms, in the executive suite, uh, and involved in making decisions about talent and about um, you know, pay. And this allows us to champion diversity in many forms and bring that into the conversation. You know, if it isn't in the conversation, we're there to bring it into, into the conversation. And of course, you know, you know, many men feel very strongly about diversity too, um, and diversity in all forms, not just gender diversity. Um, there's many, many different types of diversity. Um, but as women, if that's not really forefront in the conversation. We just happen to be in a conversation where it's not in the forefront of it. We have a unique perspective mm -hmm. to you know bring up you know that those ideas. So regardless though of if you're a man, you're a woman, or who um, you are, um, I just also think mentoring the ne next generation, your generation, is just so important and part of this this duty. And I've always been you know really committed to training. The training of talent and developing talent and I truly believe as a leader it's just not about you it's about your team and how you can make them successful and I you know and because of that I've joined a lot of you know organizations I, I actually focus on nurturing the next generation of talent as kind of my you know <laughs> when I think about volunteering yeah. and my folk my time so I am in women in America the mentoring organization in New York the the, the women's forum you know these yeah. organizations are de you know committed to developing the next generation of talent and we need to support organizations yeah. like this yeah I'm a member of Emily's list and I think that oh that's yeah kind of yeah I mean they're just it's a great organization um, um so 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 what are some of the advantages and disadvantages you've had climbing the corporate ladder as a woman? It's not, or historically has not been the friendliest place for women. Yeah, and I've had such a diverse career. You know, I've had a lot of different experiences in this career. I often call it uh, a spiderweb career. Like it's kind of the exhibit A of C, C spiderweb career, C, Susan Bobeda. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, um, it's a career that's taken me to many different industries and roles like you know, media, technology, fashion, uh, retail, e-commerce. <laughs> in just a short time. Like, yeah. <laughs> just a short time, right? So it's a really fortunate position, and, and maybe you feel this way, just really fortunate to have had all of these experiences. And along the way, I've had many role models, mentors, and really what I would call sponsors. Mm -hmm. I think sponsorship's been super important in, in my career, you know, to kind of climb the ladder, if, if, if you will, as you said. I'm going to interrupt you a quick for a second and ask, what do you think, what's the differentiation between a sponsor and a mentor? Yeah, I think a sponsor, a mentor is kind of someone who's, I would say, maybe more of a coach and advisor, and a sponsor is someone in an organization who's in a position to forward your promotion, your pay, mm -hmm. to, to, to train you and forward you in, in 
um, in your career. Okay. They can literally impact what level you have, what you're paid, what your responsibilities are. So a sponsor can also be a mentor, of course, but um, you know, just really finding those sponsors within the current organization and where you sit is super, I think, important mm -hmm. in advancement. So it's, that's a great, great question. Um, so I have had, you know, in terms of sponsors, I've had mentors and sponsors, but in terms of sponsors, you know, I've had some really critical people involved in my career at key times. Um, you know, I, my move into the C-suite was really facilitated at Bloomberg by Andy Lack, who ran Bloomberg Media mm -hmm. and now runs NBC News. Um, he and the COO at the time, Paul Baskebear, just saw something in me and they promoted me to run the Bloomberg's global news agency. And I was a marketer at the time at, at Bloomberg.com. And you know, I had, I, they offered me the job and I really didn't even know what they were asking me to do at first. <laughs> um, but gave me really what was a, a position in a, to, to build a business at Bloomberg and run a P&L. Um, and, and we ended up driving you know, immense revenue growth for mm -hmm. Bloomberg Media. And it just was, a, a real example of sponsorship where these two mentors and leaders wanted thought, saw something in me and wanted to give me you know a shot yeah. mm -hmm. to show what I could do um, and that's not the first time it's happened uh, you know and hopefully it won't be the last but <laughs> Tori, Tori Birch uh, you know another example is Tori Birch um, you know she I was a CMO for the first time under Tori Birch who is one of the you know most genius builders of a, a an emotional, you know, engaging brand, you know, in the world. So yeah. it was just a tremendous opportunity to to be her CMO after after Bloomberg. So these these relationships have been a major advantage, and you know, you might ask like, hey, how did you build these relationships? I mean, these are really these are iconic business people, mm -hmm. and I think it's about uh, human beings, like just really being interested. And building relationships as human as human beings, you know, I really like people, and I'm curious about them, and I put a high value on that. And they got to know me and trust me, and that's why they became yeah. my sponsors. So, what about people just beginning their career? Yeah, exactly. How do you how do you like start out? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so, uh, my earliest career experience, my kind of my, my one of my earliest career experiences was. I started a job at Leo Burnett at 24 years old. I was in banking for my first two years in investment banking mm -hmm. and just figured out I wanted to be in advertising instead because it was just, I met all these people who worked in advertising and they were in focus groups figuring out what you know made people tick and then they got to go to LA to, you know, shoot TV commercials. And I thought, <laughs> you know, wow. Um, and at the time I was, you know, doing you know, LBO financial models um, for the paper packaging industry in yeah. my banking job. And I thought, wow, I would do that job for free. I'm finished doing advertising. So I started knocking on doors. TV commercials are much, you know, much more exciting than investor strategies, I'm sure. For me, to me, <laughs> Evaluation I mean, models. There's many people I know who work on Wall Street that just love a good evaluation model. But um, I, for, to me, it was, uh, it was just a, uh, something that just drew, I was drawn to the, the discipline. Yeah. And I sent a note finally to, you know, I, I believe me, I called everyone in Chicago. A few people like gave me phone call, you know, would return my calls. But it was tough going. It was a recession at the time, and 
I sent an, an, a letter with my resume, a typed you know, <laughs> letter, it was on gray stationery to just be a little different, and to a woman that was an account director at Leo Burnett at the time named Mary Bishop. She was lead, head of the Procter & Gamble account at Leo Burnett in Chicago, and she was also a Carleton grad. She went to the same college I did, mm -hmm. and I didn't know her, and I just asked her, hey, I'd love to, really interested, and love to talk to you, and she ended up forwarding that letter and resume to HR, to talent acquisition, mm -hmm. and they gave me an interview, and I passed the first screen, and then went through the full round and ended up getting a job, even before I'd even met Mary Bishop. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but she gave me a break, and that's yeah. something that I've tried to do for people as a leader uh, in the last, you know, especially at, I'm new at the trade desk, and we're just starting to figure things out here, but at both Bloomberg and Tory Burch, one thing I've done very deliberately is had interns who were already in who were in college, or if they were just graduating for col from college, put them in consulting positions. If we really didn't, you know, have a position yet, but we needed some extra help, and then um, oftentimes those people would end up getting full-time roles of some substance, um, either at the company I was working with or at um, another amazing company. So there, so there's probably six people I can point to in the last five years whose careers kind of have been launched through my, you know, my efforts to kind of give people a, a chance, a yeah. break, give people their break. That's and, phenomenal. Yeah, and there's people at like you know Saks Fifth Avenue now and Facebook and still at Tory Burch, who, and and still at Bloomberg, NBC, who kind of were part of that, and I'm so so proud of that. So then moving on from that, which that's obviously phenomenal work that you're doing, uh, but pivoting back to just diversity and inclusion, how can that better help marketing teams do their jobs? Yeah, so diversity is, um, having a diverse team and diversity is table stakes in marketing. Uh, we're... The, the discipline of marketing is trying is trying to reach and engage and connect emotionally to diverse sets of, of, of people, of consumers or business people, depending on your B2B or B2C. But it's really about connecting with a diverse group of people. And without diverse perspectives um, on your team, it's just really tough to do that. So um, so that's it's mission critical for me and something I act really I personally try to actively cultivate in marketing teams. And also, if you think about you know just gender diversity, just that piece, um, you know over eighty percent of purchase decisions in the U.S. are made by women. So yeah. um, if you you know you need to have that representation, it's best if you have that representation you know on your team. I mean, we've seen so many. We've seen so many just fails. Like, gosh, Pepsi's campaign with uh, was, it, was it Kylie Jenner or Kendall? I think it was Kylie or no? It was. I, th I think it was Kendall Jenner. Kendall. And then you know what? What was that? The H and M with the with the green hoodie that said monkey, and it was an African American child. That was just. Had you had maybe a black woman or a man on your marketing team, somebody would have been like, "No, you can't do that." Just, just ridiculous. I think Hillary. Yeah, it just all of you know all of this goes to diversity as table stakes for a successful marketing organization. And, and you know, it's also something that really fuels creativity. Mm -hmm. Diverse perspective, marketing is a creative discipline. Um, you know, you're talking about some, you know, about creative. 
but best creative ideas and most you know impactful innovation are driven by you know diverse perspectives, not mm -hmm. just one person. It, you know, it's a village. So, and it needs to be a diverse village in marketing today. Well, I want to leave us on a diverse village. I think that's a really great concept to think about, um, and it's something that you know senior level, C, C, C level executives should you know as we push forward be incredibly mindful of. So. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much.